0: Has finances ever kept you from investing in your health? Have you ever wondered if there was anything you could do to make health more affordable? Or have you ever felt frustrated, stuck, or unable to heal because of money? If so, today's episode is for you. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Katherine Pomerantz. Katherine is an accountant and money mentor who specializes in helping men and women take control of their finances so that they can afford more things without needing to make more money. In today's episode, learn the foundational pillars that will help you make health more affordable so that you never have to say no to healing again due to finances. And if you loved today's episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast because next week I'm having my dad, a surgeon, be on the podcast to talk even more about how to make your health insurance work better for you. Hey friend, welcome to the Better Belly podcast. Do you want freedom from bloating and constipation? Do you find yourself up late at night Googling natural constipation remedies, causes for bloating, or recipes and exercises to help constipation? Are you frustrated with the mind game of trying to figure out what foods are helping or hurting your gut? Hey I'm Allison, mom, wife, and functional gut health practitioner. At a young age, bloating and constipation were my constants. I didn't know what to do and wished I could just live a normal life focusing on my passions, my job, and my family. I was tired of abdominal pain that woke me up at night and wasting time and money on gut health remedies that just didn't work. Breakthrough moment, the functional medicine and osteopathic approach to gut health. In this podcast, you will find natural remedies for bloating and constipation, practical, doable belly exercises and massages, and debunk the myths about what really is causing your tummy problems. So toss out those laxatives and say goodbye to that embarrassing gas. Your gut health is calling. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to the Better Belly podcast. Oh, hello.
1: I am very
0: excited to be here. I'm so excited to get to chat with you after what we we were with each other in September. And yes. so you, it was like the last hour or two, we were together, we were at a dinner and you're, you look at me in the eyes, you're like, I think I should be a podcast guest of yours. And I thought I knew what you wanted to talk about. I was like, I love money, people. Money's so relevant to health. And you're like, no, I'm going to talk about something different than just you know, making more money. So yeah. I'm so excited you're here. You're going to share with us. Can you tell, tell me, tell tell our listeners what it is that you, in your own words, what it is that you were so passionate about sharing with them today?
1: Yeah. Well, I was so st- like when there, <laughs> so we met at a conference, as you mentioned. And sometimes you meet somebody, and you're like that person is just so cool. And I vividly remember that you had said, and you're like, "Hey, what am I here for? Why do I want to connect with people?" Is like, I just want to talk about health. Like, if you, I don't care the topic of your thing, like we should just talk about health, like philosophically. And I was just like, "Yeah, that's great." And so for the next couple of days of the conference, I, I did right up until the very end. I was like, "We need to talk about financial health," but then specifically. I think that we need to talk about the healthcare system and how that that's not the be all end all of like health, right? If you are, if you want to be financially healthy, health insurance isn't going to cover it. That's not it. That's not, that's not the solution. So I was just like, Allison. I think I have a lot of experience and my clients have a lot of experience of working outside of traditional healthcare to get what we need. Do you want to talk about it?
0: I was like, yes, yes, because on my podcast um, and I'll we'll link some there's at least one episode that I have talked in depth about why insurance health insurance doesn't cover what we think it's, and it's going to cover. And I dig into some yeah. like historical things. I also dig, dig into some like practical things like your car insurance isn't going to pay for your gas. Your health insurance isn't going to pay for like your general well-being, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. not it's it's it's. Insurance, whether it's home insurance or auto insurance, health insurance, it's there for catastrophic things. But yes. more and more, we've been trying to kind of sell it. Auditorily, what we get sold is like, well, it should be covering everything. And then we don't plan for it to not cover everything. And that's when we get frustrated and angry and afraid and problems happen. So when you said that, yeah. I was like, please come talk and educate us. So one thing I would love to have you just start off with, you just said you work with your clients with like, this is something that you worked on. Can you just give some examples on um, like, how did you even get into these conversations with people? And what are some of the things that you're doing with them? That's actually helping them in their health.
1: Absolutely. So I am an accountant and money coach and I work specifically with small business owners. So I come in and I help establish the pillars that your financial systems need so that you can be as creatively free as you want, right? That's the whole reason of starting your own business, but you also need to be financially stable. And it's very unique in being an employee because you don't really have to think about your money that hard. You get a steady paycheck and you often get a lot of benefits that take a lot of the load off of you. That's one of the benefits of being an employee, literally. Mm, Yes. They're called employee benefits, right? Yeah. So when you become self-employed, all of a sudden you have to control that for yourself. You have to build that for yourself. And so a lot of what I help my clients do is revenue is not enough. It's not just enough to sell more in order to get your financial situation figured out. You need to understand how to earn and save and invest that money. And health insurance and other types of insurance are a very important foundational pillar. I really like that you pointed out that health insurance is not there to care for us. A lot of people think of it as a caregiving tool and insurance in a proper financial plan is bankruptcy protection. Every other type of insurance is there to protect your cash savings, like in your retirement accounts or your investment accounts from needing to pull out of those and use those should an emergency happen. So that's what insurance is there to protect you from. It's there to protect you from having to deplete all of your other savings and you're having to declare bankruptcy essentially, if you can't cover it, that is not a caregiving tool. This is like contingency planning, right? This is risk management planning. And so I, it's very, I mean, I'm going to talk a lot about insurance. There's lots of different tools out there that could help that are in the financial system, but it is not the be all end all. When you actually have ownership over your life and over how you spend your time and over how you care for yourself, you need to think of that in terms of, wait, I have ownership. I have locus of control. I need to take action here to get what I want. I hope that was hope that made sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, I mean, for you, what you're saying is your story. How you enter into this conversation is working with a lot of people who are self-employed and need yes. to. They're not. They're not showing up, and and everything's kind of being decided, and they're not being. You know, if you have benefits, they hand you this nice little PDF, and you pick what plan you want. And yes, they kind of predetermine things, and you know if your employer gives good benefits or not. But, but what it has done is because. Whoever's listening to this, whether they're employed, unemployed, or self-employed or whatever, wherever they're getting their benefits or not getting benefits directly, what what you said at the very end, what applies to everyone is we need ownership. And yes. you have a lot of experience helping people who need a high amount of ownership, who, who need to build everything from the ground up. So anybody listening to this, whether or not they're starting at the ground in terms of like their health insurance, what you have to say, you've already thought a lot about this. Um, so (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm so excited. Why, why don't you, will you just talk to us? What are some of those pillars? What are some of those tools, financial tools that can help people pay for their health expenses that you're helping your clients with? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to take one step back and first address the ownership thing a little bit, because I think that that needs to be in the toolbox. And so I call that your money story. And so we need to be very, very clear about the story that you want your life to take. How do do you want to experience your life? Because that then will tell you what type of financial tools to shop for. That will then tell you what kind of tools do I want to evaluate. Let's take a different thing than health real fast. As an example, let's use a retirement account. There are so many different types of retirement accounts you can set up when you are self-employed. Like, do I use a SEP IRA? Do I use a Roth IRA? A traditional IRA? Do I set up a 401k for myself? I mean, there's all these people listening don't even know those terms, right? This is like totally jargony. Right. And then you start researching, well, what are the different features of all of these different things? And then you just end up in this weird, confusing rabbit hole. And you're like, I don't, I now know less than I started knowing, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I am confused. Um, so what I do first with my clients is I establish the money story. And part of that is what is your vision for your future? What do you want your life to look like? How do you want to spend your time? Who do you want to see? And even when you're shopping for health products, this is a really important question to ask. Because some of this is not just about what do I need right now? What do I need 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What do I need in retirement, right? If you're, because I know a lot of your clients are working through chronic conditions, right? Is my chronic condition going to stabilize and then go away? Or is this potentially going to progress through the decades that I'm going to live with it, right? Like this all becomes part of what tools do I need in my toolbox to continue my style of living? So I would be remiss if I did not first tell you to like, let's get clear on the money story, right? Decide how you want to live and then let's figure out how much money and how, what kind of tools are going to there, be there to provide that kind of money and support. So yeah, before I just info dump on you and just start listing all of this jargon, this is how you can translate and decide maybe I should look further into that. Mm, yeah. So there's, of course traditional insurance. And even if you're not employed, you can go and get this through the government marketplace, right? You could buy insurance for yourself. And what a lot of people don't know is that even if you have employer health insurance, you can sometimes buy secondary insurance to cover other things that that doesn't cover. Not always. I mean, you need to like check with your benefits of like, whether that will like, you know, cancel, cancel out different things, but you can buy additional insurance if you know, that, hey, there's a high likelihood that I'm going to have extra like heart attacks or something. There's, there's there's insurance specifically for covering you if you have heart attacks. So after that, the next thing that most people should think about is short and long-term disability insurance. A lot of people are at least aware of disability benefits because it's partly why they pay social security taxes. But disability benefits, they, you have to wait a year until you qualify for them. And for a lot of people, I couldn't, I couldn't live a whole year of not being able to work or having greatly reduced work. That would devastate me financially. And so short and long-term disability insurance can step in and do the same thing, right? Short-term is usually like within the first 90 days for six months. So it's like right away it kicks in and starts paying you. And then long-term disability insurance, again, there's a waiting period of at least 90 days, six months, a year. You can use that even if you eventually qualify for regular social security disability benefits because that has a small payout and you can, if you are used to making more money, you can maintain your salary with long-term disability insurance. It's one of my favorite financial tools to have people pay for because there's a 25% chance that you're going to become disabled at some po- through some point of your career. Um, there's a good chance that you're going to break your hand and not be able to work for six weeks until you get surgery, right? You I know, mean, literally that story, but something like sure, that, something like it, something like that, right? And how many of us have twelve weeks of vacation, right? Like, <laughs> so that's one of my favorite products to like make people aware of. A lot of times, this is again offered through your workplace, and sometimes people don't know to just check the box. So, something to consider, even paying for yourself. You can pay for supplemental insurance again, even if an employer provides that. And this is the, the detaily next- stuff. You know, like I just set up
0: short term disability for myself because mm-hmm. I f- I learned. Someone mentioned my actually my my CPA tells me you can get short-term, dis- there are some short-term disability that covers maternity leave, just a little yes. bit of it, maybe not the whole thing. And I was like, what? Like, mind blown. And unfortunately, nobody, like the your doctor, your the government isn't trying to help you do these things. You're having no. to be a little bit, or maybe a lot of it, more aggressive. And it wasn't rocket science to get it set up, but I had to like find a broker, and then I had to wait and get the whole system set up. And I had to get it underwritten and I hate, I hated the whole process, but it was very (laughs) clear to me what my goal is almost like kind of going back to that, that ownership or that money story of like, what do you want? What do I want my maternity leave to feel like? What do I want to be true about my income during that time? Um,
1: what do, and then saying, is there a tool that's appropriate for that? Right. Yes, a hundred percent. I'm so glad you gave that example. I was about to say the exact same thing. You can't get short-term disability insurance if you're looking to get pregnant. It it excludes you. So this is one of those things that you have to think about ahead of time. So yeah, exactly right. right. Because if you I are pregnant, of,
0: you can't get it.
1: Yeah. Well, they have a questionnaire that says, Are you trying to get pregnant? Oh, which I suppose whole, you could lie on. <laughs> but that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. They don't want insurance companies, don't want to have to pay out, right? That's not how they make their money. Um, yes. And I don't say that negatively. It is a business. I I have run businesses. I get it. So, um but that's that's a good example of because you knew your goal, you now have something to fill it. Yes. How many of us yes. skip the step of setting a goal?
0: Yeah. And I think honestly if we go back to that, I'm even thinking about our listeners and like where their money story or where that ownership piece might feel sticky is even like feeling like am I allowed like it it feels too far off, too far fetched to think I could afford $500 a month spent on my, on my health. Like, Mm. if I say that it's because like, that would be a budget goal. For example, that'd be a tool is to have a budget line. I don't want to steal your thunder, but like no. I don't actually. this I don't even know. Maybe I love not this. Keep going, this, yeah. like you, maybe that that's a tool to have a budget line. Maybe if it's a fifty, hundred. Starts somewhere to have a budget line for health that maybe will cover some supplements one month and a massage another month and a chiropractor visit another month, but that maybe that feels too far fetched. And if you don't, but if you're not clear and allowing yourself, what do you want to be true about how your money? interacts with your health and goes towards your health or protects your health, Mm -hmm. then you definitely will never be able to use any of these tools. And it'll feel very overwhelming. It'll feel like you need to do all of them. And that's not necessarily true. And there might be one tool you'll start with before you get to the rest. Like I just added short-term disability. I didn't have it for my first child. And it's just like a new tool I'm learning how to use. And so, just for our listeners, I know sometimes they can be very sick and very overwhelmed and feel like, "Well, I don't qualify for any of this." But, but as you guys are listening, you my listeners, whom I love, like just as you're listening to Catherine, just also keep your mind open. She's not saying you have to do all these right now. Other, you know, she's giving you tools, and you can always go back to that money story and dream. Like, allow yourself to dream yes. because things can get better. And maybe that means working with a health professional or like a professional like Catherine or even like myself to just slowly start to get one piece of the puzzle in. But as she keeps listening, more tools, just wanted to encourage people with that, that it's just one step at a time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The foundational pillars that I set up are people, you've got the money story, you've got the money systems, which for us, those are all the tools that we're listing. And then we do have that money map where that's that part of the the play box, right? The toolbox, the playground, the sandbox, however, whatever word of those I wanted to use. (laughs) Mm, Okay. That's the part where, We get to then figure out what this is going to cost us and we can make that plan, that long-term plan to get to that vision. Of course, I'm not saying buy these all at once. Um, you know, I myself don't have all these tools yet and maybe I never will because they don't all apply to me. So thank you for pointing that out, Allison. I knew this is going to be such a powerful conversation. Um, let's finish our toolbox and then we can, we can talk budgets if you want. I'd love to. Um, So speaking of cash, though, because that was the example you used of, it's going to cost me like $500 a month. Well, there are ways that you can pay for extra health insurance premiums or extra supplements that you have to pay out of pocket that could be part of your benefits already. So FSA accounts or HSA accounts are really important tools that you can look into. These um, also have a second one, which are health or a third flavor, which are health reimbursement accounts. So oftentimes your employer might provide like you can submit receipts and get reimbursed for certain types of health expenses. Sometimes this is how they do vision or dental insurance or for small employers, that's often how they do health insurance. So these are things that you might be able to go to your HR and ask, hey, does this exist? And if not, is it possible that I could set it up? Um, A lot of places, especially big employers, as they're looking for ways to attract and retain talent, they're even adding wellness stipends, which for anything that isn't covered by traditional health insurance, you can put on your wellness stipend, right? Um, you can, I mean, I, my mom bought herself a Fitbit with her wellness stipend just last yeah, year, right? Like There's all sorts of things that can qualify for that. So the FSA and the HSA are really powerful. And in particular, some of my favorites because the FSA is a, well, it's tax deductible, um, but the HSA does rolls over year to year to year. So if you can set up an HSA, you need a high deductible health insurance plan for it. So that may or may not be a good fit for your family, depending on right? the healthcare costs. Yes. But there's a lot of freedom. If you're paying for a lot of out-of-pocket anyway, you can max out that HSA, which is probably $7,500 per, per family this year. And anything you don't use rolls over and can be invested for long-term wealth benefits and long-term health care. So it's very, it's a triple tax advantage count. It's really, really sexy tool that might be worth looking into <laughs> if you're hit, if you're hitting deductibles all the time anyway, like maybe that would even out. yeah, I got to run some numbers, right? Got to look at It really at that depends. Money. Yeah. Yeah. It really depends. But a lot of people don't even know that that tool exists. Um. The other things is, of course, dental insurance, vision insurance, disability benefits. We mentioned those. Disability benefits sometimes really freak people out because, oh, it limits my work. Well, you can use them short term. And there are ways that you can still save through ABLE accounts so that you don't have to wipe out your entire life savings just to stay qualified for disability. There, There is flexibility even there. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and then, of course. You can pay for things in cash and there are tax deductions for that. So if you are somebody who spends a lot for medical things, keep those doctor's notes and keep those receipts. If you spend more than 7.5% of your income on medical things in a single year, all of a sudden it may be really good idea to itemize and take some tax loss. So you can get reimbursed that way. I think I knew that. Right.
0: So, seriously. <laughs> okay. 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 Wait, 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 7.5. Because I have a client who recently told me she, she knows, I mean, she, her and her husband earn together and they do file jointly. So I don't know if it'll hit the 7.5, but she says on average, she's spending a third of her paycheck on health. She has a lot of health problems and she's made a lot of improvements, but, um, I'm sitting here being like, does she know? I'm like, want to immediately maybe at least send her a message girl. What is it? Like, how would it, if
1: you're filing, where is it? It's just, it's a medical deduction. So anytime that you're spending on health stuff that has been prescribed by a doctor. So that's the key is like, you got to go get a, like, yes, you need this. But oftentimes a doctor's note is enough. So if you can talk to your doctor and be like, look, this supplement or this coach or this like therapist has been really, really, really helping me because I have a chronic condition and it's going to require some creative ways to keep me off of, you know, medication or, you know keep me mobile or whatever the reason. And your doctor says, yep, I prescribe this to you. Then you're good. Right. Okay. Okay. So, and real quick, and maybe you don't know this,
0: but like, for example, chiropractors are considered doctors. I think by most, if not all states, would they, do you think that they would qualify if you had a good relationship with a chiropractor? I
1: believe so. Yeah. Um, I I do not remember the exact ruling right yeah. up in my head for the IRS, yeah. but uh, yeah. we can, okay. you can verify that it's a, li- it's a licensed medical practitioner. So like yes. acupuncturists and stuff also already count. So yes, yes not, they you might don't have to be an MD too. Or a DO. Cause I think sometimes yeah. those can be harder practitioners
0: to get on board to like yes. say yes. Um, so just thinking that I know I have a lot more clients who are connected to a chiropractor who's, who's really involved in their case. Um, and anyway, so just giving people ideas that chiropractors, at least for the state of Michigan, I know, and potentially many, if not all States in the U S are licensed as family doctors. So PCPs type things. So so yeah,
1: chiropractors often count. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So that's most of the toolbox. Any, any questions or clarifying things or anything you think I forgot? Well, I wanted to
0: get your thoughts. I'm, uh, and you might have some clients like this I don't know I am on a cost sharing plan that was yes. what I felt was the best tool and I was hesitant to always go on one because they were just so unfamiliar and for people who are not familiar with cost sharing it's essentially a company will will say they're like the they act as some administrative holding to organize all the money that's going in, but you have people who are in a less organized way. They're putting in money to the company and then the company cost share with, we well, usually the, the, someone will submit a need, right? So they'll say, I have a yeah. need for, you know, I broke my arm and I got a cast and I'm getting PT and you'll submit all of your cl- quote unquote claims, um, all of your bills. And then other people like say, I'm a part of the group, but that month I didn't have a, a need when I Pay my money. I might either send it directly to you, or I'll send it to the company, and they'll send it to you. So it's really person to person. It takes out the middleman, and the the point of the company typically is not to make a profit. It is you. It's they, they cost sharing groups. Like I'm a part of one that's explicitly Christian. They tend to be yeah. very um, mission driven, I guess you could say, and not like yes. profit driven. And so they are definitely not insurance. There's like some things for people to understand about like. There's just like some other stuff that can go on and I don't even want to get into it because I don't feel like I'm the expert. That's why I'm kind of bringing it up. But for cost sharing, it's been great for my family just with our life stage and the problems we've run into. Do you have any experience with people going using cost sharing uh, plan instead of traditional health insurance that's provided by the government?
1: Yeah, we use the cost-sharing plan, my family, for many years. So I do like that system. And you're right. They they often have an explicit religious context. So sometimes there are, like, qualifying lifestyle things to join, which is – they're right, and that's totally fine. Not always. Um, they're a great option – for reducing healthcare costs, especially, well, I mean, it's always so hard because you have to run the numbers, right? Of what what you would need to pay for, what's your average payout and stuff. Because oftentimes I found being on a cost-sharing plan, being a cash-only payer, I spent so much less on healthcare than when it was run through insurance. Yes.
0: And that's what I have experienced is that, and the thing is, is that most people feel that they're paying, they might feel that they're paying more initially if they joined a cost-sharing plan but that is only because so much of our cost of insurance comes out pre-taxes pre-paycheck you you don't see yes. it and you don't yes. realize how much you're being spent into it so my husband switched to an employer who didn't provide benefits and suddenly and I don't provide benefits as self-employed and suddenly we were doing all I did like literally spent like two or three days calling all these like uh, all these offices, my pediatrician's office and vision and dental and asking them, what does it cost for me to just get my basic care? What does it cost if I needed a filling? So I could say, look at what, how does it even compare? Am I saving money? Is it way more expensive, way less? And in general for our, our needs and the fact that we tend to buy things anyways, that medical insurance isn't
1: going to cover. I might as well be on a cost sharing plan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I find that they are a very, very good fit for that exact situation is that we can manage our bills really well and we can step up and negotiate and be like, hey, reminder doctor, I'm cash only. Do you give me different rates, right? And a lot of them do, especially labs. This gives you the freedom to shop for lab work. And some places will charge you $2,000 and the same test will cost $50 down the street, right? This is things that people don't realize about seeking care is that you are actually the consumer, which means you have the freedom to shop. Yes. Now. And we're
0: not used to that. We're used to just saying, standing at the, you know, the desk and staring at the administrator and saying, My doctor wants this blood work and you never see it's all kind of being passed under the table. You don't know mm-hmm. what it costs. You get this bill a couple months later and you find out it was fifty or it was a thousand. Like I had a client get very basic blood work and she that we can get our clients for $250 cash pay. They can pay HSA or FSA, but technically Mm -hmm. cash. She paid a thousand dollars through her insurance because they jacked up all these prices and she had all these markers that they only wanted to cover a certain amount, but it was seriously basic blood work, like ferritin. Like if you, and anyone knows what that is, who's listening. And so (laughs) it dried, like it infuriates me. People, people talk about how like, Oh my the labs that I run with my clients, they're so expensive. They're a hundred dollars less expensive on average than if you buy them anywhere else. But because we're not used to seeing numbers and shopping numbers, you just, we can't immediately recognize it the way we might recognize it faster on like, it's a $50 couch. We immediately feel that, Oh, that's a cheap couch because you know, it must be on resale or something. Something's going (laughs) on with the couch. Right. But but it's it's cheap we have a general sense of what something costs but we don't in health we just feel it's expensive if we have to pay it all
1: yeah well and health it's not the basic economic like supply and demand is broken because the person supplying the service is not the person setting the price for the service and the person demanding the service is not the person directly paying for the service because of the way insurance steps in as the middleman and yes. because even insurance has all these other brokers that act as middlemen so when you say, what does something cost? It is almost impossible to know. You have to kind of look in that moment, what can I get from these different places? You actually even can do this if you have traditional insurance. A lot of, a lot of people don't realize if you go up and say, Hey, it's going to be like a hundred dollars on my copay. What would it cost if I paid you in cash? And I've often sometimes been like, Oh, it'll be 50 bucks if you pay me in cash. Be like, do you mind backing that out? And can I just pay you $50 then? Right? Like I I'm like I don't need $100 isn't enough towards my deductible, and I'll say 50 bucks. Let's go, right? Like that's obviously a personal decision for me, like that in that moment, right? But that yes. that happens all the time where I can go up and ask, what would it be if I just paid you today versus what would it be if my insurance paid you? That's a question you're allowed to ask, and the the other thing that's hard with asking that question that I have
0: hear some of my clients say is that they don't want to know because they just want to up their deductible as fast as possible so that they can fill that bucket and start getting quote unquote free things, and the the problem with that is that you, you you're choosing ignorance to then not realize if you're just overpaying on everything on the whole and not, you don't even know how much you're paying into. Maybe you could have gotten all that health care. Say your deductible is $2,000. If you paid in cash, maybe it would have been $1,500. Now you have $500 you could have spent on alternative health that insurance doesn't even cover. Yeah. So there's like yeah. some, again, it really can be case by case, but it takes so much. It does. It can take time to go and get the numbers, but at least you're empowered. And I like hated my life those three days. I complained about it to everybody in a very petty way (laughs) because I was, as a healthcare provider, it just made me more and more angry that our system is this way. I just, I'm like, why can't I just see the number, know it, pay it and move forward? And that's how like my whole business is set up. Here's the number for the labs. Here's the number for working with me. Here's the number for the course. And it's actually way cheaper than um, typically it's going to be for, for any other type of care, like in the health healthcare world.
1: Yeah. And it's the same price for everybody. The cost is the cost. There's no secrets. Yes.
0: Yeah. And if you need a payment plan, we got that. So yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So those are tools. We
0: talked a little bit about money map, which is that vision of like, where do I even want to go? And then do you want to jump into the money or the, did I say the money, the money story, where, where do mm-hmm. you want to go? And then yeah. do you want to dig more into the money map? Is there more to go into there?
1: Oh, Allison, I would love to talk more about money maps. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of talked about get clear on the story except that we have ownership except that we have agency we can put in some effort here to be healthier and i know listening if you don't feel healthy i have been less healthy at certain points in my life i get it i really get it i have so much compassion we now know of some tools that we can set up ahead of time that give us more power and more options so knowing some of those tools on your good days go and implement them once we figure out what tools we want, once we figure out like, okay, I want to I hire Allison. I know the cost of her course. I know the cost of her lab work. I know like what supplements she's going to recommend for me, right? Like, here's what I'm going to add to my money, map, right? We can add together what this is going to look like. The money map is really about, I mean, it's like, okay, it's my branded word of saying, like, you can collect your financial reports to get good data, and then you can use them to make decisions because maps point us in the direction we want to go. They show us where our goals are. They also make our goals specific and measurable. I know exactly how far I am from that goal. And they're going to highlight obstacles in my way. Maps will tell me, hey, avoid those boulders. Hey, maybe you need to go this way to get this bridge to get over this river, right? So a lot of times when people think about like, oh, I have to get all this information. It's tedious. It's boring. They don't realize that that information, if collected together correctly, is Power and that power comes from turning it into a money map for yourself. So, this is where it's time to start looking at the personal spending, right? Let's make a personal spending plan for yourself. Let's make a budget, right? You can call it a budget if you want, but a lot of people don't like that word. So, make a personal spending plan as part of your money map. And when you really dig into your numbers, I have never not done this work with a client who actually looked at their spending and realized they had more than enough to move around because there's a lot of money that we're doing unintentionally or at least unmindfully, right? There's a lot of spending we do just in the moment to make ourselves feel better. That's nothing wrong with that. Like, please make yourself feel better. But if you have decided that this is long-term going to make me feel the best and that I say, for example, like drinking water, everyone knows they need to drink enough water. Okay. But drinking water can be boring. So one of the ways I get around this is I drink a lot of herbal tea because I love tea. Tea makes me feel like I get a nice break from my work. It's nice and warm. And so I will spend lavishly on fun teas because it is how I keep myself hydrated. I have been practicing this system for a while. I can drink tons of tea. And so I am way more hydrated than I would be if I'm just like, girl, drink your water. Like that doesn't work. So... I am more mindful about my spending to get the result that I want. This makes me feel better overall, right? This is the same reason we want to prioritize our sleep. It's the same reason we want to prioritize like, I mean, like healthy eating is such a good example, right? Like I don't feel as good when I eat dairy, so I will find ways to get around eating dairy. And I have to be mindful of that. So that's that same exact things happens with our money way more than we realize. There are things that we do for our money that are junk food. That's quick fixes that are just like, oh, well, so-and-so invited me to this thing. And I guess I better go. Or like, oh, there's this thing at work and we don't realize we can say, oh yeah. Or there's
0: the TikTok thing, you know, pro or smoothie powder or like gut health or de bloat powder going around and I'm going to buy it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Much. Right.
1: I have so much, right? There's so many things that we just buy because like, oh yeah, that'd be fun to try. Or, oh, I think that would be interesting to do. It's even related to health. I mean, I've done that just with like children, uh, children's stuff will really get you, right? I have a two-year-old, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like they know how to target things. Isn't that so cute? Buy that dress. It's like, no, like, <laughs> so there's so much about our, our spending that's junk food spending, where if we slow down and we focus on it and we put a system in place, we will get better results with our money. We will get things that fundamentally shape our experience in ways that's more enjoyable. Money can get you anything. That's my favorite thing about money. Money gets me anything I want. So am I earning enough to cover the lifestyle that I want? Am I And am I saving and investing in ways that will get me long-term results so I can continue that story into the future? That's the question we want to start asking ourselves when it comes time to do money. And the only way that we can start to do that is we have to slow ourselves down and actually look at our spending. We have to break it down into that spending plan and see where the dollars are going and decide, I care about working with Allison the most because it's going to help me feel good in my body and nothing will make me more powerful. So I'm going to not do these other things that only make me feel half as good. I get to choose that. I get to say no to things. I get to move my money around to get more of what I want. So if you're listening to this and you can't pay your bills at all, like, I hope you heard me when I talked about disability insurance and like go and get disability benefits. If there's like, you're really, really struggling, there are things to do. I mean, you would qualify for really inexpensive health insurance, right? Through the marketplace. Um, There are options to help get you up so that you can pay those bills. That's of course, is your first thing listening. But most of us, most of us, even though we're stressed about money all the time, our stress comes from mindlessness about money. It comes from avoiding Or money.
0: feeling feeling powerless for one reason or another. And it might yes. not even, it might just be like, like I find that um, either for me and my family or some of my clients that it is powerlessness that is just needs tweaks. And it's usually powerlessness because there's something you want and you feel like you can't get it. If you mm. allow yourself to say, I do want that, how can I get it? turns this part of our brain off from like despair and like I just can't get it to like, oh, how could I get it? And you start to get into money map mode to use your language of like, yes, how can I envision maybe I can't get there this month, but in could I get there in three months if I make certain leapfrog moves and save in a certain way or like look at my budget. And so sometimes I will that's how I have gotten to a place where I feel like I can, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not mega wealthy. I'm, I'm just not like some people might, whatever, if they look at a photo <laughs> thing, photos can be deceiving. It's. I'm just a normal person. <laughs> right. And, but I'm able to, I've learned certain skills to say, A, I am able to identify what can, what I believe is going to give me the biggest buck bang for my buck in my health. Yes. I, fi- I fixate on that. I'm I'm not buying everything. I'm not buying a sauna bag and, uh, and fancy protein powder mix and uh, whatever. I kind of find what it is I think is going to make the next biggest change. And for right now, I'm actually investing a lot in my daughter more than I'm investing in me and my husband. And then I identify that. And then I figure out, can I do that right now? The way things are with the budget or with cash flow. If not, how do I get there? And 100%. that makes you feel so less angry and frustrated and despairing. Um, even if even if the how isn't immediate and it's not like you're a million millionaire and you don't even have to think about it, it's like boom, it happens. <laughs> like even if you're not there, it still can happen. And yeah. that that just changes everything. kind of like your tea. Like you maybe, maybe you have a $50 budget line for tea. And <laughs> but it makes you so happy every time you go to buy it, you're like. I know I have the cash for it because I planned for it. And now I get to buy a new flavor this month or whatever. I honestly,
1: I hope I don't like overinflate your two budget. (laughs) You uh, embarrassingly, no, you don't. (laughs) I mean, I'm maybe not spending $50 a month, but I absolutely am be like, ooh, let's get the really special, fancy, like sensha tea from Japan that's like only in this specialty boutique in Vancouver, like, you know. Yeah, Yeah. and then you feel special (laughs) and you're hitting your health goals and you're not overspending. It's like win, 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 win. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. One of my favorite, um, personal finance people is, uh, Paul pants. So shout out to Paul Pant. She talks about, you can afford anything. You can't afford everything. And so mm-hmm. you have, you have done the work of a million personal finance experts before you is like, yeah, that's, that's what this is like is identify what I want, identify the story, figure out what tools and what it's going to cost. That's the money systems. And then make your map of like, okay, here's where I am. And this is where I'm going. What are all my next steps? It feel gives like you the my... power to do anything. <laughs> it gives I you the like... power to do anything. I love it. I feel like my
0: course is like the same thing, but for health, where it's yeah, like, exactly. stop buying all the random things, figure out what is actually wrong with your body, aka the labs, and then actually create a plan and then just execute it. And maybe you can't execute it all
1: at once, but you have the plan. And Yeah. You've got your entire life ahead of you. You have nothing but time. It's going to, it's going to work out. Yeah.
0: Oh Well- I, this has been such a great conversation and to end us out, I would love to hear from you. What is one tip that you'd give to somebody so that they can feel more free
1: to invest in their health? So one thing we didn't talk about is, uh, the other tool in our toolbox is get your partner involved, get your partner buying. if there's a partner in your life, even if it's like your mother, right. Or like a, a best friend, get a partner in this journey and learn to communicate really effectively about your needs and your goals. And that is going to get you so much more success, which is sort of a selfish like lead into the offer that I have for everybody. So I know that like a lot of times with health and with money stuff where my clients will get the most stuck is okay, I have these new big ideas, I have buy in, but like, my husband doesn't right, he thinks I'm, you know, I sound like a crazy hippie with like wanting to do these like crazy off book things, right? Like, so like, how do you have that conversation? So we have a mini course that is tackling money issues as a team. And um, the link to that is my name, Pomerance.com, Catherine with a K, Pomerance with a Z slash conflict, because you want to reduce conflict in these conversations. Hit right. Hit that course up if you are needing more support about how to start talking through these things, even with yourself, but especially if there are other decision makers in your household when it comes to financial or health decisions. That okay. I think is a good final tip is don't, do you have to do this alone?
0: Yeah. Awesome. And we're going to have that link in our show notes, everybody um, tackling money issues as a team. Thank you so much, Catherine. I know I've loved this conversation. I hope people feel a little bit more grounded as they listen to it, that you can hear two people who've, you know, like we're, we're just moving along and hearing some tips and just realizing it's normal to just add one tool at a time. And you are, you whether you realize it or not, you are all on your money map. You're all on your health map, and you're just trying to find your little your next your next obstacle to overcome. So, again, thank you so much, Katherine, for coming on to the Better Belly Podcast.
1: Thank you, Allison. This is so fun.
0: Hey, friend! I hope you loved this episode. If you've been a fan for a while or newly loving this podcast, can you do me a favor? Drop into Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. When you leave a review, you do so much. You help me know you're listening. You can tell me what you're loving so I know what to make more of. And you help others by boosting this podcast so other people like you can find the podcast too. I mean, it's a win, 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 right? So if you want a way to pay it forward, just go to Apple Podcasts or click the link in my show notes and leave a rating and review. And if you want some more free stuff, just head over to my free Facebook group, betterbellytherapies.com slash Facebook, and you can get access to all of my free support for you, including some Facebook group exclusive stuff like my podcast episode vault, where you can search the Better Belly podcast by topic and find exactly what you need to expedite your healing. I cannot wait to see you in there. Catch you guys next week.